Welcome to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit bridgeway.cc. Our campus pastor, Dave Michener, is doing an in-person and podcast-exclusive mini-series called Forgiveness for Real and encourages us, when you mess up, fess up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this inspiring message. My name is Dave Michener, and I have the privilege of serving as the campus pastor here at our Owings Mills Town campus pastor. What's going on? Oh, yeah, we're just collecting stuff. All right, all right, great. I was like, what's up? Hey, that communion is a great uh, transition or a great setup or a great way to start thinking about forgiveness. And we are in this series actually finishing it today called Forgiveness for Real. Not just forgiveness, not just forgiveness where we say, yeah, you're forgiven, whatever, you know, but forgiveness for real. And last week we talked about when you need to give forgiveness, excuse me, when you need to seek forgiveness, when you need to go get forgiveness, what do you do? And our main message in just a little sentence was if you mess up and fess up and do your best to fix it up. Well, today we're going to be talking about when you need to forgive. When I was in graduate school, in order to receive my master's degree, I had to do a field research project, which was akin to having a master's uh, thesis and defense of it. And I created a curriculum on cultural proficiency. And, And one of the things that I had to do is right before I created that curriculum, I had to take a class on statistics. Now, if you know pastors and statistics, you know, we usually just kind of stick with the evangelistically speaking method of figuring things, you know. But this class in particular challenged me a great deal because in order for me to find out if this curriculum was going to have an impact on the students, then I had to do a pretest and a post-test. I had to create an instrument that would uh, be a questionnaire that would be a survey before, and then we teach the curriculum, and then there would be a survey afterwards. And I had to learn a term about that instrument, about that survey, about that questionnaire. And in the statistics world, it is called margin of error. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? Well, I barely know what I'm talking about, and I got the master's degree, right? Uh, according to, you know, Yale University, excuse me, according to Wikipedia, um, the margin of error is a statistic expressing the amount of random sampling error in the results of a survey. The larger the margin of error, the less confidence one should have that a poll result would reflect the result of a survey of the entire population. Isn't that exciting? Basically, you're saying that Every survey has this little margin of error. And the better the survey, the smaller the margin of error. Well, let me tell you about God's margin of error. It's zero. Zero percent. God has taken a survey. He has pulled every human being ever. And here are the results of that survey. Everyone sins. Everyone's got sin. (laughs) For all have sinned. And we fall short of the glory of God. We miss the mark. And it was while we are still sinners, in the fact that we are sinners, that Christ came and he died for us to forgive us of our sins. Everyone screws up and therefore everyone needs forgiveness. Everyone. 
I need forgiveness, you need forgiveness, and you need forgiveness, and you need forgiveness, and you need forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. The margin of error on this survey that everyone makes errors is 0%. God says, for all have sinned. God's margin of error is 0%, yet he forgives 100%. God forgives 100%. And the sermon in a sentence today is this. Since I have been forgiven, I need to be a forgiver. Since I have been forgiven, I need to be a forgiver. So we've talked about margin of error. I started thinking about margin for error. <laughs> yeah, it's a term I made up, all right? I do that when I, I, I'm trying to figure stuff out. And in order to be a forgiven forgiver, we've got to understand this idea of margin for error. And so, you know, hashtag beautiful mind. I, I went to work on my chalkboard, and this is the way I've calculated margin for error, all right? So here it is. If we can show it on the screen. Okay, so margin for error. So what, what is the fruit of the Spirit or what the fruit of the Spirit is? Okay, divided by 70 times 7, right? Plus an omnipotent God, right? Uh, times pi r squared. That's just because everything sounds better when you say times pi r squared. Makes you sound smart. That is the margin for error. No, that's not it. That's not the margin for error. Here's the real margin for error, not from Wikipedia, but Mitchipedia. The margin for error is the percentage of people that you are in relationship that will hurt you, offend you, disappoint you, frustrate you, and make you lose your mind up in here, up in here, and you will need to forgive them. 100%. 100%. That's the margin for error. The MFE is 100%. We will inevitably need to forgive everyone in our lives that we have a relationship with. And even sometimes people we don't, hashtag traffic, right? Um, we need to forgive them anytime we have a meaningful uh, relationship. So here's my question. Does your heart and your mind have any margins for error for other people? Or is your life so full to the edge of everything you want from others? of what you expect that you have no margin for error. Our margin for error is 100%. However, further studies show that if you are married, your margin for error is 110%. <laughs> and if you have children, it is 120%. <clears throat> Since I've been forgiven, I need to be a forgiver. Say that to yourself, just in your, in your mind, all right? If you dare say it out loud with me, go for it. Since I have been forgiven, I need to be a forgiver. Since God forgives me, I should forgive others because God has been so generous with his forgiveness with me. I should be so generous with my forgiveness for others. Forgiveness should lead to forgiveness. A gratefulness for what God has done for us that we just had a communion about, that we just remembered about, that we just sang about. True gratefulness for that should not be a withholding of forgiveness, but an opening up of the floodgates of forgiveness to other people. Forgiveness, gratefulness, kindness, and compassion that God has shown me, I will in turn show other people the same kindness and forgiveness and compassion. So, this is all throughout Scripture. And... It's not something that makes a whole lot of sense to us. 
Let's just be real. You're like, you are talking theory to me right now, P. Mitch. But here's the thing. God never tells us to do something that he doesn't offer his help for us to do it and then even tell us how to do it. And so I I was thinking about this whole idea of forgiveness, particularly through the pandemic. And I, I taught a class on it, not because it was assigned to me, but because I was processing a lot about forgiveness in my own life and who I need to ask forgiveness of, and who I need to give forgiveness to. And I came across this verse that I had read so many times, and it's nestled in a passage in Colossians chapter 3 that is super practical. And, and this jumped out at me. It says this in Colossians three thirteen: Make allowance for each other's faults, and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others so not only is there a command here i mean this message this verse almost preaches itself and you're like yeah let's try that see you later no no we're going to go into it a little bit the mfe the margin for error is this three i'm going to give you a couple words four words make allowances forgive and evaluate let's talk about that for a minute make allowances make allowance for each other's fault the word there is, is, is really the meaning of forbearing, being patient with, enduring the faults and failings of others in a kind, forgiving, and compassionate way. Basically, the given space, realizing that people are going to mess up, they're going to annoy you, they're going to frustrate you, and because of love, you're going to make allowance for them. I mean, we make allowance for all kinds of things, don't we? We make allowance for traffic. If you know um, you're going to go to Northern Virginia on a Friday at 4 p.m., that it's just going to take you a couple days to get where you're going, right? And you're going to take water with you if you're younger, you know. And if you're over 50, you're going to look for where the rest stops are and the cracker barrels, right? And so as you head, up, as you head, head down there. And so there, there, there's all kinds of concessions we make. We look on our GPS, we look on our Google Maps, on our Waze apps, and we say, okay, there's traffic here. You know, I'm going to have to make a concession there. I'm going to have to make allowance there. It's going to take me extra time. We make allowances for traffic. We make, allowance, we make allowances for, for getting together with family, don't we? Yeah? Some of you went on a vacation this summer, right? But some of you didn't go on vacation. You went on a family visit. That's a lot different. Yeah. When you go on vacation, you don't take an air mattress. But when you go visit family, you take an air mattress and you might be sleeping on the top bunk, right? When you go on vacation, you're going to relax and enjoy yourself. And when you go to visit family, you're just not, you know? (laughs) We make allowances in our marriages, right? You know, for that snoring, (laughs) for, for all those clothes on the floor, for all those clothes in the closet with all those shoes, and and the women are the same, so um, we make allowances for everything. So we need to make allowances for each other's faults. The word is straight up at us with that. That doesn't mean you walk around expecting everyone to let you down all the time, all right? But it doesn't mean you're completely devastated when they do. You realize that we all mess up. And you're going to give a little bit of a pass, sometimes a lot of a pass, to each other. That, that's just going to be your frame of mind and your frame of heart. That doesn't mean you make excuses for what other people have done to you or said about you or how you feel in light of those things. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's acknowledging that they have hurt you. 
It's acknowledging that they have frustrated you. It's acknowledging that they threw you under the bus. It's acknowledging that they, they took that money from you without paying it back. It's acknowledging you that they stepped out. It's acknowledging these things and then saying, I'm going to make an allowance. Not, I'm going to give them a free pass and say it's okay, but I'm not going to hold it against them. Why? Because we'll do things for love that we won't do for any other reason. And sometimes it's not the love of the other person. It's the love of God that we do these hard things. One of the most challenging verses is this in 1 Peter 4, 8. It says, most of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't cover it up. It's not like a sneaky deception, but rather it's saying, this person has sinned, and sometimes many times, but I'm going to choose love to, to triumph over that. So that's the, the first statement in this verse, M, make allowances. The second word is forgive. It's just straight up forgive. What does the word say? And forgive anyone who offends you. Forgive anyone who offends you. Who? Anyone. Oh, my goodness. Can't there be some footnotes on that? Some, an asterisk with a few names? You know, I, yesterday there was a storm in the area, and we heard this loud crashes of thunder, and we went outside, and right outside our house there was a tree about this big around, and it got struck by lightning. And there's a crack all the way down it. And I'm like, that can't be good. You know? And there's pieces of splinter from the tree, you know, 25, 30 yards away from it. And I'm thinking, this can fall on my house. I better contact my insurance agent. And so I went to the policy and looked at the 400 things that are excluded in my insurance policy. <laughs> you know? And we want exclusions in this verse. Forgive most everyone. Forgive some people. But it says forgive anyone who sins against us. This, this word um, forgive literally means to cancel the debt. To release the person that has done this wrong against you. It's, it's, it's not the same as rebuilding trust, but trust cannot be rebuilt without the start of this process. It's not the same as reconciliation, because reconciliation takes two, but this forgiveness thing, it's, it's something that you can do whether someone apologizes or not. Does it help when they apologize? Sometimes. Because <laughs> we talked about bad apologies last week. Does the nature of the relationship have anything to do with the responsibility to forgive? No, apparently not. Forgive anyone. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 says, God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away and nailed it to the cross. That's what God did for you. He's forgiven you. He's canceled your debt. And we as human beings who miss the mark, we fall short of God's glory, we fall short of God's expectation. We are destined to an eternal separation and punishment according to the scriptures, according to the word of God. 
And, and yet when Jesus hung on that cross, he canceled the debt. And that's what we're expected to do. We're expected to cancel the debt, to forgive. And God canceled our sins, but he did not cancel us. It would be so much easier if we could just cancel the whole thing, right? Cancel my friendship. Cancel, And sometimes there needs to be some separation. Don't get me wrong. But cancel the debt, but not the person. In fact, in Matthew chapter 7, it says don't judge each other. And it doesn't mean don't evaluate, don't think about what that person did. In fact, it, it, it talks about really letting God do that. But there's a, a word in, in the Greek language that says krino, which means uh, the English translation is judge, but it literally means to condemn. Not only to say that was wrong, but then say that was wrong and you're condemned. There's a difference. There's a difference to acknowledge the wrong. And there, there's an added step where we condemn others, where we cancel others. That's God's job, not ours. Besides, the word says there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It was Jesus that hung on the cross, and he said, Father, cancel their debt, for they don't know what they're doing in Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And Jesus hung on that cross that we thought about this, this morning. And he yelled these words, it is finished. In that language, it was tetelestai, which means paid in full. It was a word that was used of, of people in the marketplace. And when someone would buy something from a vendor in the marketplace, the vendor perhaps would write, a, a, a piece of uh, something on a, a piece of papyra and, and, and say paid in full, but they would yell, paid in full, paid in full. It was when an artist would finish a sculpture or a painting, they would say, Tetelestai, it is finished, it's done, there's no more work to be done in it. And Jesus said, Tetelestai, it is finished, paid in full, he canceled our debt. This whole idea of forgiveness, though, wow. I, I, I look at the scriptures, and it, it says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, and that word is compassion, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So be kind and compassionate and tenderhearted and forgiving to one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. And that word tenderhearted means that you feel something for the other person. There, there's a, 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 an emotional side to it that is only conjured up when we begin to understand what Jesus did for us. I think about that word instead. Instead. Instead of what? Instead of what? Well, in verse 31, the verse right before it says this. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all evil types of behavior in person, via text, and on social media. Instead, be kind, forgiving, and compassionate. It's that we are supposed to rid ourselves of that instead list. And that, that, that's, that's one application here. We've got to rid ourselves of the instead of list we need to take out the trash and when trash especially in the summertime when it sits there 
it just begins to stink more and more and more. And, and, and what happens is it, it, the longer we get, let it sit there, the more we can get used to that stink. And God says, get rid of those things. Take out the trash. It's time to make a, a run to the dump. Get rid of it. And in the words of the great theologian Will Smith, he says, throughout life, people will make you mad. They'll disrespect you and treat you bad. Let God deal with the things they do because hate in your heart will consume you. When we hold on to those instead of things, it eats us alive. No one ever began to heal by withholding forgiveness, ever. We will not heal when we withhold forgiveness. It was Nelson Mandela after 27 years of unjust imprisonment that said this as I walked out the door toward the gate that would lead to my freedom I knew if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind I'd still be in prison that instead of stuff keeps us locked up God wants to free us replace your instead of thoughts with your just as thinking. Just as. Be kind. Be forgiving. Be compassionate. Be kind and forgiving and compassionate. I can't help myself. I thought it was a long time ago. And it's KFC. All right. I'm just saying now you're hungry. Sorry about that. But here's the deal. Your mind is always going to be at work. And if you, if you empty your mind, it can only stay empty just for a very short time before something else comes back in. And what you choose to dwell on is up to you. And you can't just completely empty that mind, at least not for long. And if you don't replace the thoughts that you just evicted, a similar tenant will show up. We need to evict the thoughts uh, from that instead of list, that bitterness, rage, slander, harsh words, unforgiveness. And we need to replace it with the things that God has already done for us. A factory reset of your mind will work miracles in the way that you feel. Since I've been forgiven, I need to be a forgiver. And the last word is evaluate. Evaluate. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must for forgive others. He forgave you. So, so think about that, remember that, consider that, evaluate that, assess that. For what has God forgiven you? He's forgiven you of all your sins if you have trusted Christ alone for eternal life. He's forgiven you of all your sins. You can say, well, you know, maybe I'm not that bad, but just think of it this way. Sin is not doing what you're supposed to do. Sin is doing what you're not supposed to do, it, and it involves thoughts as well as actions as well as words. And so even, even the best person you know, probably sins at least 10 times a day, right? At least. All right, but let's just say um, you're really good. You're Mother Teresa, right? And so you're going to sin only three times a day. Over the course of a year, that's 365 days in the year. Let's just round that, you know, because that's what pastors do. All right, so we round it. So three times, um, uh, yeah, about 1,000 sins a year. About 1,000 sins a year. How old are you? All right. Yeah. For me, you know, that's like that's like 
43,000 sins for me, you know? <laughs> God has forgiven all of that. He's forgiven all of that. That's what God did for us. How many times has He forgiven you for the same thing? We're repeat offenders. In fact, Jesus was talking all about this. And, and, and He's talking with His closest followers. And Peter comes up to Him in, in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 and 22. He says, uh, Then Peter came to Him and He asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now, check this out. Let me pause right here. He's kind of like... Hey, hey guys, watch this. Got a question for Jesus, all right? So, Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Knowing full well that in the Jewish custom and tradition, you were supposed to give somebody, if you're going to forgive them at all, at least three tries, you know? Either third time's a charm or three strikes and you're out, right? So what does Peter do? He doubles it and adds one. He's sticking with the seven thing. And so he says, so Jesus, how many times should I forgive that? And Jesus says, he says, seven times? He goes, no, not seven. And Peter was like, hmm, wait for it, wait for it, but 70 times 7. And the point Jesus was making is don't keep score, just keep forgiving. Evaluate that based on what God has done for you. And, and it's not just an act, forgiveness is not just an act. In fact, it was Martin Luther King Jr. that said forgiveness is not an occasional act, it's a constant attitude. It's something you have to keep doing. How often do you have to forgive somebody? My wife and I were talking about this yesterday. How often do we have to forgive somebody? Here's, here's my little thought about it. Every time you relive it, you have to forgive it. Every time you relive something, you have to forgive it. You don't hold it against them. And believe me, the longer you live, the more you will need to forgive, right? But every time we relive it, we need to forgive it. And right after, Matthew, right after uh, Jesus told that um, to Peter, he tells a story in the book of Matthew, chapter 18. And he says, in fact, it's kind of like this. There's this king, and, and there was this guy who owed this king all this money. It was like a million dollars that he owed him. And so the, um, the king called the guy in. He goes, it's time to pay up, dude. And he's like, I'm going to put you in prison. In fact, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell you and your kids and your wife, sell, sell all your people, and you're going to pay this debt back. And the guy got down on his knees. He goes, please, please, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. You know what the king did? He forgave him. That's incredible. A million bucks forgave him. He ate it. The guy hops up, and you would think he would just go out and, you know, go to Applebee's or something. I don't know. Just celebrate? No. What does he do? The Bible says he went to somebody who owed him about a thousand bucks, and it says he grabbed him by the throat, and he demanded payment from him right then and there. And the guy says, please, please, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he says, nope. And he throws him in prison. He's like, what? So the other servants, the other people who, who heard about this, they were like, this is messed up. This guy who was just forgiven a million dollars turns around and won't forgive a guy a thousand dollars. In fact, he puts him in prison. Not only did that guy who owed a million dollars have his debt canceled, he was set free. Brings him before the king. And the king says, nah, not going to do this. You're going to go to prison now. The bottom line is this. When we receive forgiveness, we need to be forgivers. And if we stop and think, some of this practical application could be that we consider what God has forgiven us of. 
And I would say, start with the person that offended you most recently and forgive them. And taking our cues from this story, I would encourage you to sit, think, and write. To take a piece of paper or take your phone and make two sections, put it on a chart and make one section what you need to, what, what the offenses are against this other person. This other person has done to you. That's the $1,000 list. And then in the right-hand column, take the million-dollar list, and these are your offenses against God. And you do the math. Our margin for error involves making allowances, forgiving, and then evaluating. And in order to do that, we need to start with the person that's offended us most recently, and we need to sit and think and get our heads straight about what God has forgiven us versus what this other person has done to us. And then I think sometimes it helps to tell a story and to listen to other people's stories. And before I send you home, I just want you to listen in on a story of someone here in our congregation. So at this time, I would like to invite um, our sister, our Bridgeway partner, Faye Romero-Brown, to the Bridgeway stage. And we're just going to have a little talk right in front of you. All right? Welcome, Faye. Thanks for saying yes to this. Thank you, Pastor Mitch. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Hello, Bridgeway. Yeah, and I see you <laughs> color coordinate with the chairs. I'm... And, and my little feet are dangling. Well, <laughs> hey, let them dangle. That's what I say, right? All right. So here's the thing. Um, I wanted to ask you so the congregation can know a little bit about you. Uh, how long ago did you start hanging out with us here at Bridgeway? Uh, it's been about five years. All right, yeah, hold that up right there. Okay, yeah. can you hear me now? Oh, five yeah, years. Yeah, 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 about five years. Mm -hmm. So you're not originally from Maryland. Uh, what brought you here? Uh, I'm originally from New Mexico, and I got stationed at Fort Meade in 94. Okay. Um, and I've been in Maryland pretty much ever since. Great. So the military brought you here, yeah. and we got to keep you, right? <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. So you and I were hanging out um, with some other people talking about forgiveness during the winter, and you shared um, some of your circumstances that you went through. Because this isn't just theory. This is real stuff. And there were some circumstances where you had to make a choice, not just you, not, but you and your family, to make some hard choices. Correct. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, so back in May of 2010, um, my mother was struck and killed in a pedestrian accident while crossing the street in a crosswalk. Um, this was in Albuquerque. Um, she was struck by an elder lady who was 70 years old at the time. Um, my mom had the right of way in the crosswalk, and the witnesses that were there at the time said she, you know, she had the right of way, she was in the right. Um, what, what happened was the lady didn't heed a red traffic light, so as my mom was crossing the street, the lady proceeded to go on and, and struck and killed my mom. Um, wow. I mean, so your mother's out for a walk, she's crossing the street, and she gets hit mm -hmm. and killed. And killed. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as we went forward and have you and, and trying to process... Uh, the, the situation and trying to come to the decision of whether we're going to prosecute or not, you know, go to court, take the lady to court and what have you. 
Um, there's another story that leads into this, which is um, about my uncle. Um, back in the 80s, uh, my mom's youngest brother was uh, struck and killed as well uh, by a drunk driver. Mm. He was out on a run and... Um, he just got a pair of new shoes, right? He you just got a brand new pair of running he shoes. Um, mm. And come to find out, he had a birthday yesterday and he was only 20 at the time, 20 mm. years old. Um, but the driver, for some reason, seemed like, <laughs> as he was trying to swerve out the way, the driver seemed to follow him, and he was killed instantly. Um, and the family went through a lot. They didn't want to, my grandparents were old at the time, um, and they didn't want to put my grandparents through it, so they didn't want to prosecute. But his wife, my uncle's wife, didn't want to go that route. She did go to court, and the family ended up going through a court and put them through a lot of duress. So just press pause for a second. So. Your uncle, your uncle is out for a jog, and he gets hit by a drunk driver. Right. All right, so you guys decided, your family decided not to prosecute. Correct. But someone in the family says, we're, gonna, we're not going to forgive. We're going to go after this person. And it, it, it was tumultuous for your family. Very, right. yes. Mm -hmm. So how did that play into the situation with your mom in, in 2010? So as we're, you know, sitting down trying to go through things, um, her family went, you know, told us, reminded us of everything that they had gone through. Um, you know, they weren't trying to sway either way, but just reminded us, hey, this is this was what could happen. Speak up a little bit. <clears throat> and my dad, um, he didn't want to go through that. He sat there, you know, went through a lot of different decisions and what have you, and he cried. And with tears in his eyes. Sorry. It's okay. He said, we're going to choose to forgive the lady. Wow. He said, because that's what Jesus would do. And because we all want forgiveness. Wow. That, it's not theory, y'all. There was a moment when that father led in his family and said, we are choosing forgiveness and the why behind that was because God had forgiven yes. him. Wow. Yes. So did it work? Did you, I mean, how did that work out in you? Did you forgive that person? Um, what did that feel like? Um, we, for myself, I've had to go through that several times, um, right there and then. And then, you know, as processing through it all. Um, and like you had said earlier, saying it again when you rethink it it almost relives again mm -hmm. and so you have to say it again do it again forgive again and um i'm at peace with it now um you know and the big thing about it is is i wonder about that lady mm -hmm. you know how she had to live with that you know just knowing that she killed somebody uh, you know it was unintentional at least i'm hoping you mm -hmm. know um, I don't know what her story in her life was. I don't know, you know, if she was a Christ follower, if she had given that situation to the Lord. Um, so you think about the person that you had to forgive, absolutely. not just the person that you're, you're missing. Absolutely. Wow. And that's the, really, that's where the scripture's talking about tenderhearted, you know, having compassion on the other person. Because sin always has collateral damages. It has collateral damages for, for other people, but also on us when we, when we sin. Yeah. So, um, man, I, I, I wish we could talk more, like longer, but, and, and I, I'm feeling this too, 
um, we had a loss in our family when um, my father-in-law was, was killed in a car accident from a young man who had fallen asleep and hit them head on. Oh, wow. And, so uh, sorry. Yeah. And so this is just not holding, I mean, not holding against him or his family, you know, it, because the holding it in and the, and the wanting people to pay really doesn't get us, get us any healing, does it? Exactly. So, so what have been the sources of healing for you? How, how have you continued in your healing? Well, that was a big one. Um, but I will say being able to forgive someone who, especially someone who takes a life of your own loved one, whether it's intentional or not, um, and just having to keep moving through it has made me, made it easier for me to forgive others, hmm. regardless of how big or small. Um, I'm going through something right now, personally. Um, I'm not going to share the details. It's a little personal. But I will say there are times where I have to keep Keep saying it. Keep saying it. You know, when the little triggers come back up, just keep saying, "Oh, you know, Lord, I can't. I'm not the judge. You are. Mm. You know." Um, so it, it has helped me to forgive easier. Um, so forgiveness leads to more forgiveness. It, it, it becomes easier once when we when we do right, we begin to feel more right. Yes. That helps us do more right. Mm -hmm. That helps us feel more right. And so there is a, a victorious cycle, not a vicious cycle, if, if we implement God's work. So I want to thank you for sharing your story today, but I want to ask you why you were willing to share this today, why you wanted to share it. Well, I think that, you know, going through this, it wasn't all for naught. It happened for a reason. I'm a, a believer of all things happen for a reason. Um, I may not know all the reasons, but for that particular one, forgiveness is a big one. Um, again, I said I'm going through something now, and you know, and it and it's hard. It's really, really hard when I have those triggers, and you know, all those things, you know, words, and thoughts, and stuff, mm -hmm. and you're just like, oh, man, come on, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and you have to stop and say, you know what, Lord, I'm not doing that. I'm going to choose to forgive, and it, it not only releases you. But like you had said before, it cancels that debt. Mm. Mm. And, you know, for both of us to have that peace or whomever the party is to have that peace is important. And I like peace. <laughs> <laughs> I like my peace. Who likes peace? Yeah. Thank you so much, dear one. I love you. Thank you for your ministry today. Thank you for your ministry today so much. And... Here's the deal. Since you've been forgiven, you need to be a forgiver. But here's my question. Have you been forgiven? Have you come to the place in your life where you realize that you can't cancel out your own debt? Where all the good in this world that you do will not cover up all the bad that you have done. And then when you stand before a just and holy God, instead of looking at, at your list of things you've done and and things you've said, that he sees what Jesus has done and said, that he sees to tell us that I paid in full. You know, forgiveness is something that we sometimes think Jesus doesn't understand. But I know some of you, some of you have been abused. The people closest to you have hurt you, damaged you. Guess what? Jesus was abused. He was tortured by people that he 
He trusted his own people. Some of you have been abandoned by your families. Jesus was abandoned by everyone, not only at the cross, but prior to that, his family, many of them, made fun of him. Jesus knows what it's like to have to go through something that he doesn't want to go through and to get up each day and know what he has to face. And he said, Father, you know, isn't there another way? Would you let this cup pass from me? Jesus has gone through that. But do you know why he went through all that? He went through all of that because he's crazy about you, because he loves us, and because he wants to have relationship with you. So at this time, I'm just going to ask us to kind of bow our heads. And maybe today is your day to receive forgiveness for your sins from the God that can help you be a forgiver. And it's expressing your faith in Jesus in a prayer, something like this. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I failed you. And I know that all the good in the world will not outweigh that. But I believe as best as I can with all my heart that Jesus paid for my sins on that cross. And I'm going to ask you to make that count for me and to forgive me so that I can have a restored and new relationship with you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you prayed to receive that prayer, I, I, we'd love to celebrate with you. If that's you here today, you just kind of give us a little wave. Anybody here in the house that did that? I can't see anyone. But, but maybe, just maybe, today you'll take that cue from God and find that person to start with to begin to forgive so that you can walk in freedom and enjoy forgiveness for real. Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. You can learn more about Bridgeway by visiting our website at bridgeway.cc. You can download today's sermon notes at the link in the description. We hope to see you soon in person at our Owings Mills Reisterstown campus. Thanks for listening and have a great week.